All right. Praise the Lord. Amen. Yeah. 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 Thank you, Lord. Glory to God. Okay. <laughs> so I found this uh, little touching Christmas story I wanted to share with you guys. A couple were in a busy shopping center just before Christmas. Uh, the wife suddenly noticed that her husband was missing, and as they had a lot to do, she called him on his cell phone. The wife said, where are you? You know we have lots to do. He said, well, honey, you remember the jewelers we went to about 10 years ago, and you fell in love with that diamond necklace? I couldn't afford it at the time, and I said that one day I would get it for you. Little tears started to flow down her cheek, and she all choked up. Yes, I remember that shop, she replied. Well, I'm at the gun shop next door to that. <laughs> Wherever that guy is, pray for him. Amen. <laughs> Glory to God. So wonderful to be here with you all. Yeah. Go back in the Old Testament to the prophet Isaiah chapter 9, uh, verse 6. Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. Words spoken by the prophet Isaiah 700 years before Jesus was born. Starting in the sixth verse of chapter 9 of Isaiah. For uh, to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end. Praise God. Amen. Heavenly Father, thank you for this wonderful day that you've given us, this beautiful day, one week from Christmas to come here, your children, and worship together and draw closer to you and to be fed by the spiritual manna from heaven. Thank you, Lord, for the anointing that breaks every yoke and for all of the wonderful things that you are doing in the lives of all who hear this message today. Let it be so in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, in the account of the Christmas story, we go a lot of times to Luke chapter 2, and you can see there that uh, the Lord, when he wanted to come to earth, though being God, he didn't come in a, a fancy way, a spectacular way, big pomp and circumstance and uh, parades and and all that. He came <clears throat> and was born in a manger to a, a young couple who 
one was a carpenter who worked with his hands, the other was just a teenage girl. And when he wanted to make the announcement, the Lord spoke to some shepherds who were just out in the field at night watching over their flock. The angels came and spoke to them and told them what to go and look for. And they went and saw this humble little setting. There weren't three kings there. They didn't come for probably a couple years. And I said before last week, it was just Mary and Joseph and the baby. And, and the shepherds came and saw what the angels had told them about. And I just, now that you have a picture of that in your mind, I just want to remind you that that first Christmas was very simple. And it's okay if yours is too. Amen. Amen. The key to a real appreciation of Christmas is grace. When you have a real understanding, a revelation, when the lights go on regarding the grace of God, which I guess to some extent we all never going to get it all, we'll still be talking about it in heaven. Uh, but it's, uh, it's sort of revealing in our culture that so many people write Xmas instead of Christmas. The X, you know, sort of implies something insignificant or of an unknown quantity to assign to it, you know. See what I'm saying? So it's really an implication that people don't understand the value of Christ. Without Christ, there's no Christmas. And without Christmas, there's no grace and no imparted mercy from God to a, a dead, fallen world who was so desperately in need of those gifts. Grace and peace... Um, you look in John chapter 1, I always tell you this is the page we got the name for this church. John, the Gospel of John, chapter 1. It says that down in the, uh, I'll start in the 16th verse. For from his fullness, that's Jesus, we have all received grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. So the law, how many of you, so let, me, let me just break that down a little bit. So the law was given through a man from was passed down, handed down to, from angels to, and it was transferred over to people from Moses, and it was very rigid, wasn't it? 
How many of you prefer the law to grace? <laughs> the law. I mean, when I'm, I'm talking about the downside, you know. Uh, I, I mean, how many of you ever had to call the, the, the law on someone? I, I don't know that I have. I don't know why I raised my hand. But anyway, a lot of people do. <clears throat> Uh, I used to not because um, we just sort of had a way of dealing with things. <laughs> Plus, all of us were uh, we were afraid to call on anyone else because they might be looking for us, right? So, but but it, it, the law is good. I mean, how many of you like law and order? I mean, you know, you don't want chaos. How many of you enjoyed seeing people in the streets? burning down businesses and, and all that kind of nonsense and uh, calling it good uh, from a government from a, <laughs> a government level you know yeah. no now that's not good so that's in that sense the law is good and the law is good and perfect and holy and so is God the problem with the law though is when you hang it on the wall there all it does is remind you it appoints to you it accuses you doesn't it the law was only really good for condemnation and accusation. And it says Jesus hung that it was nailed to the cross with him. He set it aside. So now there's nothing and no one to accuse you. The law can be also construed in, in, in little subtle ways in our lives. When you get into legalism and as a sort of a lifestyle, you can be a judgmental person like one of the living Pharisees. They, they, they die, their family line didn't die out, you know. <laughs> but in all sorts of relationships and things, uh, manipulation is sort of a form of law and legalism. And what the world calls love today is generally just some sort of manipulation. I'm going to love you because I believe you're going to provide this for me. You're going to make me feel this way. You're going to do this for me. So I'm going to be good to you and I'm going to call that love. That's not love. Grace and peace. Um, in the New Testament, 17 times they're written together. They go together. Like peanut butter and jelly. I don't even know if I like that anymore. I haven't tried one of those in 20, 30, 40 years. So. But that's a thing, right? You know what I'm saying. People say peas and carrots, and I'm like, ew. But you get my point. Hey, now you're talking. I like in 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 2, he says, Grace and peace be multiplied to you. Grace and peace can be multiplied in your life to you through the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. John 14, 27, on that faithful night, we're here to celebrate this week and next the, the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. But you know, on that faithful night before he entered into his suffering, he gave to us a particular gift of his own. 
something that they had witnessed for three and a half years, which was awesome and supernatural, and that was his own peace. Peace I give to you. My peace I give unto you. Not as the world gives do I give unto you. Then there was a part for us to play. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. There's a relationship. Everything about God and you is a relationship. And how many of you know we've all struggled in relationships and then we found some successes in relationships and the times when you're successful is the time when first of all you got to learn to bend or you're going to break right? <laughs> second of all it's when there's when it's reciprocal huh it can't be one-sided and expect to be a real success story people try but the longer you try and you don't get nothing back it really can create bitterness and so forth and so on. And, and that's something that we have to be very mindful and cautious of. Because we don't want that. This time of year, the reason I'm talking about some of these things is when people should be, and Christians, believers in Jesus Christ, should be the most joyful, peaceful, happy people in the world. Yet, we find a lot of people sinking into depression and, and just looking out, living out of that little rear view mirror instead of cleaning that beautiful big windshield and looking at the present and the bright future that God has for us. Amen. Amen. Sort of uh, might refer to as the ghosts of Christmas past. <laughs> I know I, I, I had a little time thinking about mama and grandma, you know, just people like, you know, you, you know, we've all, some more than others, struggle with losses of particular hurt and hardship. And I know, I know that's not easy. Other times people are dealing with just the dysfunction of family. <laughs> Everyone has one, by the way. Don't feel, don't feel like you're alone in that. To some degree, we all have. Welcome to the, welcome to the human race, huh? You know, sometimes you just man, can I just go and just live? I just want to just Lord, just me and you. We got this. Let's, let's go to the wood. Get off the grid right here. You wouldn't be happy. Not for long. You you meant for intimacy. Not only you got to get that vertical beam of the cross straightened out first, and then you're able to get all the horizontal relationships straight. You see, you have to die to yourself, and once you die to yourself and take up your identity in Christ alone, you die to the world. You die to everyone else. Their opinions and what they say and what they think and what they do doesn't really affect you like it used to. Doesn't mean you don't want to be loved. Everyone in with God is love and he created us in his likeness and image and so of course we want to be loved. But it's, it doesn't define us. God's love for us defines us. What, 
our identity in him defines us and that makes us strong to go through all of the challenges and things of this life so don't let Christmas be a sad time for Christians especially don't go don't go into debt because expectations that are upon you or just because you're not practicing self-control. You can't say you don't have any because you do. It's an abiding fruit of the Spirit of God in you. You just have to draw on it. Some of us just need to have some plastic surgery this year. <laughs> Chop them up or just put them in a box and put them away. Wrap them up and... <laughs> And don't open until after Christmas and put under the tree, right? <laughs> it's silly. It's silly. We need to simplify is the point. Get back to a focus on that first Christmas and the meaning of Christmas. And how special and important, what a gift it is. You know... They did a, I heard someone say that stress is four times more likely to cause heart failure than smoking. They did a, a survey of what they call the 100 plus club. That's people that live to be 100 years or older. And out of those people, it, it is interesting that one of the results has showed that it wasn't, because of course what they were looking for is what, how, how do you do it, right? How, what, how do you live so long, right? That it, was, it wasn't about diet or exercise. Of course, I don't know if those things, but some of them, not, obviously not, but it wasn't about those things, it was more about well, the, the common denominator, let's say, was about how they managed stress in their lives and worry. Is what caused and brought the longevity. Not genes, not diet, not exercise. Not that those things aren't important. At least I'm not worried about the genetics of it. You shouldn't be either because you have died and risen with Christ and now you have the blood of Jesus running through your veins. Amen. But when you get out of peace, folks, when peace leaves your heart, you leave grace. Yes. Huh? You can frustrate the grace of God, as we've learned. And the way to frustrate the grace of God, you know how you bless God? By taking from him, accepting his love, his gifts, everything that he has for you. And you know, you can take all that he has for you, and you know how much he's depleted? So forget the false humility. Oh God, if you'll just fix this, I can handle the rest. Oh dummy. They say you think the lights in heaven are gonna dim if he answers all your needs at once? It might seem like it to you, but he's a big God. And just holding that basketball in my hands, I, I remember 
put it, here's my problem, you see, right between my ears. God don't have a problem. And all the promises of God in Christ are yes and amen for you. When we start depending on ourselves, we start allowing anxiety and worry and depression and fear enter into our hearts, then we've stepped away from grace. There's a lot going on in this world. I was listening to a Christmas song on the way up here talking about how in, in the old time in the days, and that, it, that made me sad because they were talking about when when I was alive <laughs> talking about how, how we used to just huddle around the tree and watch the three channels on TV and I was the youngest of five so I'm the one that got to hold the foil on the rabbit ear and this until they told me to be still and then well, you know now we hustle and bustle and try to buy some Christmas peace Yesterday, no. Day before yesterday, I didn't know about it. I don't watch the news, but my nephew told me there was a 5.4 earthquake in Texas, in Midland. <laughs> well, that, you know, that, that's, that's pretty awesome, you know, because we should all be saying, come Lord Jesus. And Jesus described earthquakes and various places and wars and rumors of wars and all these things must take place, but this is just the beginning of birth pains, but then the end will come. So, right. praise God. Might as well clap. See, that's, that's the way to handle the problems of this world. Why would you do that? How could you clap in the midst of trying and circumstances and in bad situations, how can you clap and smile and be so carefree? Because you got Jesus. You see, that baby grew up. He fulfilled his destiny for you. He shed his precious blood for you. And now he ascended to the right hand of the Father after he rose from the dead. And, and it's all done. Now you can rest in his finished work. But it says, as long as you belong to him, it's all been, everything he did has been credited to you. You know that scripture in Lamentations? <laughs> no, I know you don't. That's, the, that's one of the, it's right after Jeremiah because he wrote it. And it's the one with all the pages still stuck together. <laughs> Lamentations chapter 3, verses 22 through 24. <laughs> Lamentations chapter 3, verses 22 through 24. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. In the Hebrew, that word never means never. <laughs> so his love and his mercy never end for you. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. 
the Lord is my portion, says my soul. That's your mind, will, and emotion. See, your, your, your spirit, if born again, is always praising God, always filled with peace, love, and joy. It's your soul that you have to bring into submission to the truth and the will and the, of God. So the Lord, Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, since the Lord is my portion, therefore, I will hope in him. His mercies never come to an end. They're new every morning. What is, it? What is, uh, what is so cool about that? Because every day, the troubles of that day, the grace for that day is sufficient. Don't worry about tomorrow. Every time you want to worry about tomorrow, just get up and walk outside and look at the birds flying around. Huh? They don't have jobs or storehouses or barns or 401c3. No, that's uh, for ministry. 401k. Get all my numbers and letters mixed up. But God takes care of them. And how much more does he love you than the birds of the air, huh? He said that. And he meant it. I was, I was doing some of the, I, I, I stand up here and it might not seem like I put much thought into this. Sometimes I don't know. Generally blesses me when I listen to it again on Monday. That's how I test to make sure I haven't stepped out of the grace of God and gotten into my own will and ways and stuff like that in the flesh. It's true. So, for that reason, because in, in, in my own in my own experience, in my own understanding, just based on the thousands of hours that I've spent doing it, I can open this Bible to any page and start preaching to you. I'm not in any way bragging on myself because I'm miserable sometimes late into the day in the evening on Saturday because if I don't, when I entered into this, I said, I don't want to do it. I won't do it without you. I don't care what I have to say. I'm not trying to impress anyone with what I do or don't know. It needs to be you. It has to be you. I'm not, I'm like Moses. I'm not going anywhere doing anything without you, Lord. And so until, see, when I, when he gives me a word, all he has to do is just give me a, all he has to do is prime the pump. Just give me a, a word and then I can, I can, with his help, we can just have fun together. And, and, and then I just have a knowing of the, the message, you know. But until then, I can get quite despondent. And I was doing that last night. And so much to the point that I couldn't hear a thing. <laughs> my, 
am I telling you this? So I, did, I had to go, I said, I, I, gotta, I went up to take a shower. I knew I had to do that anyway. I wasn't hearing God. I might as well get something else done. Got under the hot shower and I'm just complaining. I'm just, I'm not complaining because I, I know better. So I've learned how to disguise it. I don't know why you just can't give me the word. I don't know. I, you know, but I, it's not your fault, Lord. I know it's not your fault. And then I do it again. But I don't know why it's got to be like this. This is a good point. It's just not fun. It's not, well, but it's not you. I apologize. Forgive me, Lord. So I have this sort of bipolar thing going on with the Lord, right? And I'm sure he, I see Joey laughing. That's what Jesus is doing, probably. He's just sitting back laughing with his head off. And so I'm getting out of the shower, and I got my towel, and the phone rang. I reach over, and then my wife, you know, she's coming home from work. She calls me when she's leaving, and, and I just, I start talking to her, and I'm like, I'm just getting out of the shower. I said, I've been the Lord all day and, just, and all weekend. I, I just thought that, and I don't, I don't know what, never mind. I don't, I don't even want to say anything. I'm scared what I'm going to say. And I'm, I just, but the Lord just, he just won't give me the message. I just, and I just want to be able to rest. And I just want to be able to rest and enjoy. <laughs> but it's not his fault. And just don't, don't let me talk anymore. Just, I don't even want to say anything. I'm afraid of what I'll say. It just, and my wonderful wife, she's just sitting there until I shut up, right? And then for another five or ten seconds, and then she says, God is faithful. And, you know, depending on who you hear that sort of thing from and, and, and what setting and, and, uh, and stuff like that, that can just be uh, the way a Christian blows somebody off. You know, oh, I'm praying for you. God is faithful. Or you can have the person who listens, is listening to God, and then gets quiet and says, God is faithful. Hey, there's a huge difference. Night and day, matter of fact. And... I realize God is faithful. This wasn't about him not giving me the word or something I was doing wrong. See, because that's where you go. Uh, you don't want to blame God, so then it's just me. I'm just, I'm, I'm a mess. I'm not, I'm not doing it because of me. You see, that's even just as bad as blaming him. You understand? So what I do, I just start enjoying the Lord. I quit trying to hear what he wanted to tell you today because he's never failed me yet. And I just started celebrating him. And it came right away. I just, I didn't even think about it anymore. Just like I'm not really thinking about it now. I just I just wrote a few scriptures down. I mean, this was the extent of 
just so we can go too long. But that's that's the thing. You get into back into grace when you get back into fellowship with the Lord. And you get back into belief. You see, it's really unbelief that causes us to act that way. To get fearful. To allow anxiety and worry and fear to enter our heart. In Hebrews chapter 4, uh, if I can find that quickly, back there in the back. Hebrews chapter 4, in the 11th verse, it talks about, let us therefore strive, or some say struggle, to enter that rest. And that was one, that's one of the scriptures when you're a babe in Christ, you, you just have to set your Bible down and go, okay, Lord, I can't go any further <laughs> until you explain that to me. How do you struggle to enter rest? Don't you just rest? <laughs> trust me there's an enemy of your soul who doesn't want you to enter that rest the rest is entering to stop your your self-effort your own uh, trying to earn God's acceptance to rest in the fact that Jesus has paid the price for all your sins past present and future and then when God sees you he does not see any of the ugly that you think he does that the enemy's constantly reminded you of. He either sees Adam, fallen man, or he sees Jesus Christ as pure as the driven snow. And you, that's a supernatural revelation that has to help you to understand that, but it's truth. And when you are on the side of righteousness, not right standing, of your own merit, but on Jesus' merits, then you can rest in his finished work. Not yours. Rest from your works, it says. Does that mean just, okay, I don't have to work anymore, and I'll just, uh, I just hope they don't hide my, my government check under my work boots, because I'll never find it. <laughs> no. Work is a blessing. It just means... Everything you do, everything, it actually will mean more work for you. Because the more grace you accept from the Lord, the more he empowers you to be and to do all that he's called you to be and to do. Yes. Huh? Yeah. How? Same thing I did. Please don't picture me standing there on the phone with <laughs> Same thing I did last night. Nobody wants to see that. You choose to magnify the Lord. Better said, that's what Mary did. The mother of Jesus, huh? Remember in Luke chapter 1, uh, the end of chapter 1? And I'm almost done here. Luke chapter 1, we, uh, Mark, Luke chapter 1, the angel, he comes and he tells her in, the, in about the 30th verse, something like that, but, and then 
He tells her what's going to happen to her, that she's going to be impregnated by the word of God, having never known her fiancé in that way yet. And she's like, and then, he, and then Gabriel tells her, for nothing shall be impossible with God in the 37th verse of chapter 1 of Luke. And then Mary said in the 38th verse, Behold, I'm the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to what you've said. That's, that's that childlike faith that Jesus said we all have to come to. And the angel left. That was a done deal. She could have said no, and it wouldn't have happened. But she accepted it, the will of God for her life, even though I'm sure she still didn't understand it. He told her it can happen. With the God, everything's possible. And this is what, and she's like, okay, then. Let it be. And then she ran to go see. He told her about John the Baptist going to be born. Jesus' cousin is going to come to sort of his ministry was going to be to announce his coming. But she ran to go see Elizabeth. And, and the, the baby left in Elizabeth's womb. John the Baptist filled with the Holy Spirit in her womb. He was a child in her womb, filled with the Holy Ghost, and left for joy when he heard the sound of Mary's voice. That should stop any kind of litigation about this nonsense. And then she told her, and blessed is she who believed, Elizabeth told Mary, and blessed is she, talking about Mary, who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. We are blessed. God has spoken his blessing over you. You are blessed already supernaturally and in the spirit. It becomes manifest when you believe it. And it's, you take the seed of that promise and you plant it in the garden of your heart. And then after a, a farmer plants a seed, what, what does he do then? Time. You ever, when you're a kid, remember how you used to go dig the seed up every day to see if it was growing? <laughs> it doesn't work that way. You have to stand in faith, believing. Keep saying it. Keep Believe in it until you see it. Then you will have a harvest. Okay? So Mary chose to magnify the Lord. That's what I'm encouraging us to do. When the enemy comes, because he looks for opportunities like this. In a commercial world with a microwave mentality. And all wrapped up in, in uh, monetary things. And, uh, and reciprocal giving and you know, it can just get overwhelming. You don't have to do it. And you can still walk in love. Hey, hey, everybody, let's draw a name this year. Man, things are crazy. Let's all get together. And, you know, let's tell the Christmas story. And let's just open one person, open one gift at a time. And then let them thank that person. You know, I mean, find ways to to do things in a simpler fashion. 
you know, worry, worry is meditating on our greatest fears. Worry has never, ever, ever fixed a problem in the history of mankind. If you really think about that, why would you allow yourself to do it? Yeah, I can't help how I feel. Yeah, you can. Yeah. Philippians 4.8 tells us what to think on. God would be unjust to tell us what to do it if he didn't give us the ability to do it. Amen. Faith is the enemy. I mean, fear is the enemy of faith. You see, it's the opposite. Fear or worry is really putting faith in what the enemy, the devil, can do. More faith in him than what, it, what God has done and will do for you. So choose to be thankful. And listen, all of us have those things that come upon us. And, uh, you know, we just... I don't know. I think the flesh just likes to get melancholy sometimes. It's not a positive thing. So when it tries, just let your spirit rise up and say, flesh, you, you know, you're not controlling me. This is not healthy. I'm not doing it. I'm going to choose to be thankful when I start, when I start getting sorrowful about the the people that I'm missing and the times that we had together and, and I get sad and I want to reach for something to, to help me manage I'm going to choose instead to be thankful for the good times that I did have the good memories that, that God gave me you see from those things that I was wanting to be sorrowful about and then I'm going to make a choice because see, when I go the other way, the negative way, everybody that loves me now and is around me now, they're going to suffer for my sorrow, you see? So I'm going to choose to make new good memories with those that God has put in my life now. Amen. The kingdom of God is about investing in people. Yeah. This is Grace and Truth Church. This is a wonderful little church of love and the word and truth and it hadn't scared anybody off. I mean we could use some other facilities to help with some of the other ministries that we need, of course. They'll come. But it's not my life work is not about building Grace and Truth Church, building a building, building a ministry. We'd love to have all those things, but my investment, my life investment, is in you. Amen. You're God's children, and the fact that just to just to be able to impart about God to His children, that is very humbling. That's all that matters. That God loves you. Every one of you, in God's eyes, is more important than this whole wide world. 
I want to go back and finish here on that Isaiah 9, 6 that I read when we opened up. Isaiah chapter 9. This is one of the ones that I have, you should have underlined. Isaiah 9, 6. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called. Here's, here's the part I wanted to get at here. And his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor. You see, the names of God are the ways of God. His names are the things he, he does, you see. In Exodus, when, when, uh, when they came to the bitter waters and and Moses cast the stick into the water and made the, the bitter water sweet. That's a picture of the cross of Jesus Christ, you see. Made the water sweet to drink. And then he revealed himself there as Jehovah Rapha, the God who heals. Literally in Hebrew, that word Rapha is that word they use for doctor. So that's his, not just in one of his names, but it's what he does. It's who he is to, to you. You see, here it says wonderful counselor. So, you know, I know, Dan, that, that we never see Harleys parked in front of psychiatrist offices. That's a good thing. But sometimes, even apart from the wind in our face, we might need a little counseling. It's not good to keep your own counsel, especially when you're sinking in the depths. Iron sharpens iron, you see. That's why God gives us a family of believers. That Jesus' mom and brothers and sisters were outside trying to get him out of a crowded house where he was ministered. And they said, hey, your mom and them are here. They want you. He said, who is my mother and my brothers and said, my sister? Those who hear the word of God and do it. Didn't mean he didn't love his mom and all that. Of course he did, but... He sets the lonely in families. And what he's talking about is the family of believers. Wonderful counselor. So if you need a counselor, well, he's a wonderful one. He's the best one. I remember standing in that dream that I had so vivid in that courtroom. So guilty. So condemned. Looked around, no judge to pass sentence, no jury, no witnesses to accuse me, no pro uh, prosecuting lawyers to put a case against me. I was astounded. Why? Where were they? They had a good case. <laughs> I looked to my right. There standing my Lord Jesus. No one to accuse me. I was free. Wonderful counselor. Mighty God. He's God. And he's your wonderful counselor. How amazing is that? The God who created all things is right there with you and for you. Everlasting Father. You see, I, that's, that's just as powerful as the other ones to some of us. I, I never knew my father. 
I've met a lot of men in prisons and things like that and say, well, you're lucky, dude. So there are people who've had bad fathers. And then there are those who've had wonderful ones. But God is my father. And he's, he's not the leaving kind, you see. Everlasting father. I was the leaving kind. I, I became what I hated the most. Sorry about that. But God loves me and I'm forgiven. And now he's, a, he's my father. Prince of Peace. All the old folks ever wanted for Christmas was just a little peace. Now listen, if I would have known what I know now or who I know now, I could have introduced them. The Prince of Peace. King of Kings and Lord of Lords. He died a suffering Savior. He's coming back as the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And we're going to rule and reign with Him forever. Amen. Amen. John chapter 1. I won't, I won't go back. I'm done. It says the word that He calls Him the Word of God. Three times right there in that opening passage of John. The Word of God. So if He's here wonderful counselor and prince of peace and everlasting father and God and you're looking for him and you can't seem to hear him well he is the word of God made flesh yes. go to the word for the comfort of the scriptures the word says he's always there with you and for you amen this Christmas, I, I just pray that all of you will just make a choice to be filled with the joy of the Lord and not let the enemy bring you down because he's the lying loser. You're not. Don't let your past experiences define you. God's got a bright future ahead, and he would like nothing more this Christmas than for you to receive that gift from him of a beautiful, bright future. Amen? Amen. Give the Lord a hand. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. I'm a father. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your love and grace and mercy. Thank you that grace and peace be multiplied in our lives through your precious word and promises. Thank you, Lord, for Christmas and what that means to us and to us hurting world. Help us to share you, Christ Jesus, with people this year. If ever we start to get down, let us go share you with someone. Let us give you as a gift to someone this year and see what that begins to snowball into. Thank you for your wonderful, amazing love. In Jesus' name, amen. amen.